morning church. Welcome to online church again. Uh, warm welcome if you're visiting to Whitburn Pentecostal Church this morning. We know that lots of people are connecting in, uh, not just on a Sunday morning, but during the week as well. And you're just so welcome to, to be part of our service, to join us. And uh, we just pray that this morning's service would be a blessing to you as well. We pray that this morning's service would be a blessing to each of us, to our families, uh, and just to those who are in our circle of uh, friends, our, our network of family and friends. But we're here to really praise God this morning. We're here to worship Him. And so as we begin to praise, I just pray that we experience the presence of God with us this morning again. And really that our ears would be open to hear all that God wants to say to us this morning. Pray that this time would be useful for us, but also that it would be uh, special uh, for each of us, but special for God as we worship Him this morning. So let's just begin to, to pray, then we're going to praise and we're going to lift up the name of our incredible God this morning. Father, we thank you that you're here this morning. We thank you for your presence. And Father, we just pray that you would come and that you would live in our praise this morning. Father, we just thank you that you're here. We thank you that you want to be with us, that you want to meet with us, that you want to speak into our lives. Father, may we be totally open to all that you want to say to us today. And Father, we just pray, come and inhabit the praises of your people this morning. Lord, we pray that as we sing, that it would be a joyful noise to you this morning. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Let's praise.
for your presence. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence in this place today. Father, we just want to worship you. We want to give you all this morning. Father, we want to just sing our praise to you. Father, we want to just declare again that you are our hope. You are our living hope. And Father, we come to you because you're the, you're the source of our life. You're the source of love. You're the source of the connection between each of us as brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, you are our life. You are our hope. And Father, we just come to worship you this morning. We come to worship you, our living hope. Thank you, Jesus.
secures us and gives us an anchor in life. And Father, we thank you that no matter what life throws at us, Father, we know that you're there in the middle of it. Father, that you're with us. Father, that your love surrounds us. Father, that your grace is sufficient. Father, that your mercies are new every morning. And Father, we just thank you that you are that one constant in our lives. Jesus Christ, yesterday, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Father, we just thank you that you are that constant force in our lives. Father, you strengthen us, you encourage us. Father, you lift us up. And Father, when our hearts are sad, you're there. Father, your word says that your Holy Spirit is the comforter. And Father, we thank you for the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Father, we don't know what we'd do without you. Father, we thank you that you've placed us in a family as well. Father, you've placed us in a spiritual family, a local church. And Father, we know how important it is to be rooted in a family, rooted in a local church. And Father, your word says in the Psalms that you place the lonely in families. And Father, we just say this morning, we've got enough room in our family for many more. And Father, we just welcome in those who want to be part of our family. Father, we just pray that you draw in many more who uh, just feel that they want to find a place of belonging in this church. Father, our doors are opened. Father, we're ready to, ready to receive and be family to people. So Father, we just thank you. We thank you for all that you've done in our lives. Father, we thank you for all that you continue to do in our lives. And Father, in this service as we continue, Lord, we just want to, we want to know your presence. We want to know your voice. Father, we want to know what you're saying to us. And Father, we just pray that you breathe upon us. May our eyes and our ears be open to hear and see and perceive all that you want to show us today. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Just great to be in God's presence. Great to be together as family this morning. And I just pray that uh, you really experience uh, God's presence as you're with us this morning. And I'm going to ask you just in a minute or two uh, to turn to the book of Haggai. We're going to read from uh, some verses from there. But just to, to remind you, church, that if there are things which you uh, need, then please get in touch with us. Please contact us. We want to be able to help. We want to make sure that everybody's connected with church. We want to make sure that you're connecting with each other. You know, pick up the phone, call somebody if God's placing somebody in your heart. If you keep thinking about somebody, it's probably the Holy Spirit giving you a nudge that you need to call that person, get in touch with them, encourage them, lift their spirits. You know, there are people who need your encouragement today. Maybe you're in the place where you need encouraged. And I just pray that this morning that you would be encouraged through this service. So turn to the book of Haggai and we're going to read uh, a few verses from there and we're going to really think about what God wants to say to us from that book today. So, Amen. Let's, let's, let's be blessed as we carry on in this service. We're going to turn to the book of Haggai. We're going to read from chapter 2. Haggai is one of the, the prophets in the Old Testament and we're going to think just about some of the things that he said. Uh, we're not going to go into the book in, in massive detail but we are going to just think about some of the things which Haggai said uh, to the to the leaders of his time the leaders of his nation also to the, the religious leaders of his time and also to the people of his day so we're going to read a few verses they're going to come up on the screen uh, as we read them Haggai chapter 2 and we're going to read from verse 1 and it says this on the 21st day of the seventh month the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Haggai was somebody who received the words of God 
and who shared those words. And it tells us that he shared them with Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, who was the governor of Judah. Zerubbabel was royalty in, in Judah. And so Haggai was given a message to share with him to Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. So the religious leaders as well. And to the remnant of the people and ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? And what he's talking about here is he's talking about the temple. He's talking about the temple of God, which had been destroyed when the Israelites were taken off into captivity. Solomon had built this temple. It had been destroyed uh, by the Babylonians when they get taken off, uh, when the Israelites were taken off into captivity. And the temple is in ruins. And then it goes on to say, but now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. Just that verse really spoke to me. Be strong, all the people of the land, and work. And I think if God is saying something to the church today, and I think he's been saying it to our church for uh, a number of months, in fact, maybe even for the last year, he's been telling us to build the church, to work, to get our sleeves rolled up, and to begin to work. Why? Because he is with us. He is with us. And even in the midst of the, the, the difficulties that we're experiencing just now, he is with us. It goes on to say, this is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. And my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. My spirit remains among you. Do not fear. We need to think about this for a second. The people have been in captivity. It's been utterly horrendous. We thought from, uh, from, we considered a few verses from Lamentations a few weeks ago. When we read that book and we read what was happening to these people, it was absolutely horrendous. And yet, in spite of what had happened, and it was because of their disobedience to God that they'd ended up in this situation, but despite that, God says, and my spirit remains among you, do not fear. My spirit, God's spirit, the Holy Spirit remains among you, do not fear. These are words which I think we need to take to heart today. Why did it end up in Haggai? I ended up in Haggai reading this book because I'd been listening to some of the things which people have been saying, people who uh, would be saying that they're prophesying and, and, and speaking for God and talking about what's happening in the times that we're living in. And some people quoting this book, and it does refer to there being a shaking of the nations. If you read on from where we've just been, it talks about how God will shake the nations, he'll shake the mountains, he'll shake the seas. But there's something that I just feel um, we need to be able to listen to what God is saying, but we need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And, and that's one of the things that I've been thinking about uh, just as I've been considering what's happening in our world today. You know, I, I have a voice in our church and I think I'm a local voice. I'm one voice amongst many. And I think God has given me that voice. He's given me the opportunity uh, to lead and I just think about the times that we're living in just now and you know as I was praying um, a few days ago it just 
struck me as I was praying how much of a privilege it is to be called to lead a local church through such difficult times. I, I, I'm blown away by that. I'm blown away by the fact that God gives me a voice to speak into our church today, to, to just speak the words of God into, into our local fellowship. And, and why is that? You know, I think back uh, to many, many years ago, um, we'd probably only been in the church maybe about, I don't know, 11 months or so. And we were fortunate enough to get the, the opportunity to buy uh, our first house. And we had, we, had seen, we had seen this house when it was just the foundations. And we, we, we committed to buying the house. And we found ourselves on the day of moving in, uh, getting a, a van and packing all our stuff into it, which wasn't very much in those days. Uh, we drove to our new house. We began to unpack it. Um, we, we put some temporary fixings up on uh, the windows just to give us some privacy and the rooms were filled with cardboard boxes. And the thing that I remember is, you know, it was on a Wednesday and on a, a Wednesday in our church we had a, a prayer night and the choice was cardboard or prayer. That was our choice, cardboard or prayer. And what did we decide? Well, we decided to ignore the cardboard, ignore the boxes and go down to the prayer meeting that Wednesday night. And you know, there's something about that, there's something about that choice that was directional. It was, there was something about that choice, even in a small thing, that began to set our course in the life of this church. A church that we've been part of for 29 years, you know, serving in this church. And might I say, it's just such a privilege to be leading this church. I, I never imagined on the day when we made the choice between cardboard or the prayer meeting, I never imagined that day that I'd be leading this church and yet here I am. The choice was mine. And my voice has a particular reach. I'm well aware of what God has called me to do. I don't have a voice for the nation. I have a voice that's been given to me for the local church, our church, for the people who are listening to this service today. God has given me a voice to be able to speak into our church and to lead our church. And with that, God has given me an authority to speak. You know, the thing that struck me about authority is that you can't claim authority, you can't take authority. Authority has to be given to you. And, you know, authority from God to have a voice, that authority is given. That authority is given to me, that authority is given to others. And the, the picture that you can see here, I'm, I'm talking about a local voice. This is... Uh, the pastor's prayer gathering which happened uh, in mid-January uh, up in uh, Dunblane and lots and lots of people who have a local voice, a voice for their church. Some people who have a voice for uh, organisations like Pray for Scotland, somewhere in the middle, middle of all that is uh, the leader of Prayer for Scotland. Uh, I think this is Michael Rollo, my good friend uh, here, uh, maybe Chris here uh, from Greenock. All people with a local voice to speak into our church. God has given us a platform. He's given us a pulpit. He's given us a message. God has given us a voice. But God has given you a voice as well. And you need to understand this. You have been given a voice too. A voice to influence your sphere, your family, your friends, your Colleagues, God has given you a voice and God has given you a story and God has given you a sphere of influence and God wants you to use that. 
He wants to use your voice as well. And so we need to think about that. And we need to think about the times in which we live. It's not just about one voice today. It's not just about my voice. And I appreciate that this happens Sunday by Sunday where people listen to my voice. But it's about your voice as well. But it's more than just your voice. It's our voice as a local church. What are we saying? And let me just remind us that we do. it's not just what we say. It's what we do as well. And our local church has a voice. And we need to bear that in mind. And we speak by our actions. You know, Haggai's voice was different in his time. Although God was speaking through him just the same. But Haggai's was one voice amongst many other voices as well at his time. Haggai's voice was a prophetic voice. And this is uh, just a a kind of reconstruction, if you like, of the second temple. So this is the temple that the people would have built in Ezra's time. Uh, uh, Haggai's voice was one voice amongst many, I was saying. So uh, think of people like Ezra, uh, who began the rebuilding of the temple. Nehemiah, who began rebuilding the walls. People like Esther, who lived in around these times as well. Esther spoke up, she used her voice uh, and she she took a great risk in doing that. She could have lost her life through coming into the king's presence and and raising her voice and asking the king a question. People like Zechariah who lived at these times, people like Malachi who lived at these times. Haggai had a voice amongst many, many other voices. There's another significant voice in those days as well and that was the voice of King Cyrus. He was the king of Persia. He was the king who had defeated the the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, and he had claimed uh, his territory, his kingdom. And it was Cyrus who, in 538 BC, which means before Christ, just to clarify, allowed 49,897 Jewish people to return to their homeland to begin rebuilding the temple. And what's incredible Another voice, another prophetic voice, Isaiah, who declared that these things would happen. And he spoke these words 150 years before they happened. Listen to what he says in Isaiah chapter 44. And we'll read verses 24 and then jump to 28. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, who forms you in the womb. I am the Lord who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and will accomplish all that I please. He will say of Jerusalem, let it be rebuilt and the temple, let its foundations be laid. A foreign king. And God used that foreign king not only to be a voice for the Jewish people, but to give permission to the Jewish people to go out and begin to rebuild the temple. And so in Haggai's times, we read about a man called Zerubbabel who came back and who instructed the people to build the temple. He was the, the guy who's one of the guys who was in charge of that. And along comes Haggai because they began to build this temple. And one of the things that I, I found really significant in this book is that Haggai says, you know, you, you've begun this work, but actually these days you're too busy building your own house whilst the temple is in ruins. He says you're spending all this time Bear in mind, this is 16 years later when they've returned and they're supposed to have been building this second temple and the work has hardly begun. 
But what the people have done is they began to build their own houses. And I, I wonder today, and I, I, I don't think I have a voice for the church nationally. I have a voice for the church locally. God's asked me to speak into the local church. And I wonder today, and I, I just challenge us with this, have we been so busy building our own house that we've neglected the house of God? And I'm not just talking about the building because church isn't a building. Church is still happening, although the building's empty today because we are the church. Are we building the church in our day and age or are we too building too busy building our own house, building our own things and looking after our own affairs and forgetting about the church. You see, this is the second temple uh, which was built in, a, in around this time. And the, the work was finished. The second temple was finished um, in 515 BC and this structure was established. This is the one that would have been destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. And the challenge goes out to us to think about, are we building the church? Are you involved in building local church? You see, the people began to drift away. They began to drift away from God. They began to drift into their own things and they needed that challenge. That's what Malachi did as well. He came and he challenged the people to, to really get back into that right place before God. You see, God's desire is to live amongst his people. What does it say? My spirit remains among you. Do not fear. God keeps saying that to the people. Regardless of the messes that they get into, God's spirit is always with them. He's even with them in captivity. And God says that my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. You see, God's desire has always been to live amongst his people. And we don't need to be really super intelligent to read the Bible and to see that this is true. Let me just go through just some examples and I'll go through this really quickly because God's desire is to live with people. It was always his desire. We think about Adam and Eve and their story is about people and preference. And what's involved in this is a fruit that should, have, should not have been eaten and a fall that occurred as a result. People... Sorry, dropping my notes again. People and preference. And then we think about Abraham. And with Abraham, it's all about people and place. His offspring that God had promised them and the place that they would live in, the land that they would occupy, it's all about people and place. And there's this process of time of entering into to all that God has for us. And there's a sense in which for us it's about our preferences, it's about our place, it's about our processes that we go through in order to get to that place where God wants us to be. Think about Moses. Moses, it was all about people and their plight. People who are in slavery and Moses is commanded to go and rescue them. And we read in, uh, in Exodus about how Moses leads the people out from uh, captivity and they, they wander through the desert. But whilst they're there, God gives them really clear instructions about a, a tent a place of meeting, a tabernacle called, uh, it was called the tabernacle in fact, a, a tent, a place of meeting, a, a place where God would come and live amongst his people, a place where Moses would go in or the priest would go in and they would make sacrifices on behalf of the people. Why? Because God wanted to live amongst his people. And then we think about the kings, 
people and their princes. And we think about what happens in the time of the kings. It started off with King Saul, who was then uh, succeeded by David, whose son was Solomon, who was the one who built the first temple. David gathered all the materials for it. But Saul, uh, Solomon sorry, was the, the man who built this glorious temple. And Haggai challenges the people. He says, look at the temple now. He says, do you think that looks as good as the one that was there before? Does anybody remember the temple that was there? And of course they don't remember it. Or those who are maybe old enough to remember it, they think, wow, this is nothing by comparison. Kings, people and their princes. And then we go on, we think about the prophets in the Bible. It's about people and their prognosis. The prophets would come and they'd say, this is what's wrong with the people, therefore you need to do such and such. And it was all about taking their medicine. Because very often with the people, they would drift away from God and the prognosis wasn't good. They had sinned, they'd fallen short of God's standards again. But, but God would come time and time again with the prophet's words and he would try to bring the people back in. And then we think about Jesus. And I think about people in the presence of God because Jesus was God in the flesh. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. God revealed himself through Jesus. We saw the very presence of God in Jesus. And Jesus comes with the words of life and he speaks them and they're recorded for us in the Gospels. And the Bible says, in fact, Jesus says, if we listen to his teaching and if we put it into practice, we're like a, a wise man who built his house on a good foundation. I'm surrounded by neighbours who are wise enough to have bought houses or built houses that are on a good foundation. My house is on a good foundation. What's your foundation today? Is your foundation the teaching of Jesus? And then there's the Holy Spirit who comes. You see, Jesus died, Jesus rose again, Jesus ascended to his Father. Before he did that, he says, I'm going to send somebody else. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit who's going to come and he's going to be your comforter. God, not just living in the tabernacle. God, not just living in the temple built by Solomon or the second temple as was up on the screen a wee moment ago. But God, through his spirit, living in us. And the Bible says, don't you know that you, you as a Christian, you collectively, the church, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God's spirit lives within us. I just find that so hard to believe and take in that the God who created the universe who lives outside of space and time, who's so vast that we can't even begin to understand him. The same God lives through his spirit within us. And therefore we can think about these words. My spirit not only remains among you, but lives in you. Don't be afraid. The very spirit of God lives within you. And then we think about a new day. A new day. It talks about it in the book of Revelation. And I, I just think people and paradise. People and the immediate presence of God. Where we see a new heavens and a new earth. Let me read what Revelation chapter 21 verses 3 to 5 says about this. 
It talks about a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had passed away. These things are they're almost incomprehensible to us. But then God says this, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. I find great encouragement from the verse that follows that as well. Verse 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Imagine that paradise gained. So we look, we look at the big story of the Bible. We look about people and preference and how they made the wrong decision. We look about people and place, how God provided a people for himself, the people that Jesus would be born through. People and the plight as they come out of Egypt. People who are uh, fleeing slavery. People and the princes, people and the prophets, people in the presence of God, the very manifest presence of God through Jesus. People in Pentecost, as the Holy Spirit comes and lives in people. And then lastly, people in paradise gained, a new heaven and a new earth. You see, the reality is that we are part of something bigger. We're part of something bigger. You are part of something bigger. And each day, each day we pick up the pen of our life. And I went especially to the church today to pick up my fountain pen and I forgot to bring it up to the room with me where I'm talking from just now. I have a pen and in that pen is permanent ink. And when I perform a wedding service for some people, a wedding ceremony, they pick up that pen and they sign that marriage registry document. They sign that document in permanent ink. They pick up the pen and they make a commitment. They make a covenant before God to each other and to God that they will commit to their partner, their spouse, their husband, their wife for the rest of their lives. They begin to write a new chapter in their story. And people pick up that pen and they begin to write their story. The reality is that for you and I, every day that we were awake, and we read a few weeks ago about how God's blessings are new every morning, great is his faithfulness. Every day we wake up, we pick up the pen and we begin to write our lives. And we do that through the choices that we make. We begin to write our story. We begin to write our life. We pick up the pen of our life and we write along with the Holy Spirit as he works in us. I came across this quote from a book called A River Runs Through It and Other Tales. You can gather maybe why I find this intriguing because it's all about a fly fishing family <laughs> and a minister who teaches his sons how to fly fish. And it's all about family life. And so one of the sons writes the story of their family. And this is what he says as part of that story. He says, life every now and then becomes literature. I just love that. Life every now and then becomes literature. As if life had been made and not happened. 
You see, the reality is that we write the story of our lives every day. We read these verses from Haggai and there was a time in life where it became literature, where they began to write the story of their lives and it was recorded for other people to read. And the reality is that for each of us, we are writing our lives through the choices that we make, through our thoughts, through our words, through our actions. Every day in life, we are writing the story of our lives. I just find that an incredible quote. Life every now and then becomes literature. Why? Because we're part of something bigger than just ourselves. Lastly, I want to think about the fact that we're involved in something that's lasting. Something that will outlast us, outlast our time and outlast our generation. You know, Daniel says in chapter 4 verse 3, His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. There's something about what we're involved in that's lasting, that's enduring, that will go on. And not just for time, but for eternity. We've thought about that when we thought about the fact that we're involved in something much bigger than ourselves. That God has in mind a new heavens and a new earth. We're part of something that will endure for eternity. It's incredible. I don't know about you, but I feel privileged to, to be in the position that I'm in, to know that there has been a moment where the baton has been passed to me. Think about the runners in a really race. You can imagine it, they're in the Olympics, they're going round the track, and as they come up, they approach the, pers the person they're going to pass on the baton to, and they start running, and they pick up speed, and there's momentum, and the, p the person comes and they hand the baton into the next person's hand. They're, they're ready to receive that baton and to start running with it. And that transition needs to happen. You see, what we're involved in is something that's generational, and I really feel God has a word for our church about the generations, about the fact that he's interested in the generations, that he's interested in us passing on the baton to the next generation. And if you're listening to this and you're part of that next generation, I want you to get excited and I want you to start running and I want you to start picking up speed because there's going to come a time where you need to have momentum, where that baton is going to be passed to you and you need to be running in order to take up that baton. You can't do it from standing still. You need to get involved in things just now. You need to make those decisions. Is it going to be the cardboard or is it going to be the prayer? What decisions are you going to make today? Are you going to get yourself running the race ready to hand to, to have that baton handed on to you you need to be picking up speed now you need to be living your life now the way that God wants you to you need to be picking up the pen of your life every day and begin writing the story of your life with the Holy Spirit in you so that you're ready when the day comes and that baton is handed over to you that you're ready to run with that and you're ready to carry it and that you're ready in your generation to do what God has called you to do for your generation. I am so privileged to have known the generation before me and to have received from that generation. And I just feel such a sense of privilege today that there'll come a time where I will hand on that baton to others who will be ready to run with that, who are already running 
who have already got momentum, who are already making the right decisions. I'm speaking to you, church, to the next generation of church, but also to those who are ready to have something handed on to them. You see, we're called to build church together. And it's not just about the pastor who has a voice. It's about each one of us having a voice and having an influence in our sphere, in our network, in our family, in our uh, workplace, whatever that might be for you. God is calling each of us to pray and to build his church, to begin to build his temple and to begin to rise up into the calling which he has for you and your life and your generation in this time. Will you build along with God? Will you build along with the Holy Spirit? Will you take up the baton? Or if we think about the, the, the illustration from Nehemiah, and we've thought about that in church life as well, will you take up the sword of the Spirit in one hand, the Word of God and the trowel in the other hand? Are you prepared to work and to begin to build his house? This is the time, church, where we begin to build his house and we begin to take up the things of God. No longer can we be complacent as church. No longer can we be skipping out on the prayer meeting. No longer can we be building our own house when his house is needing repair. The time has come for us to, to take up what God has called us to do. I'm so encouraged. I've been hearing stories about people who've been an influence in their sphere, in their network, where God has placed them and that God has called them and they have been used by God to build the church and to see his kingdom come. I've been so encouraged listening to stories, even in the last few weeks. I encourage you to keep doing it, to keep doing it, to keep doing it, to build, to pray and to keep seeking God, to seek his kingdom first and his righteousness and then all these things, all the other things will be added to you. Seek God first. I just want to pray for us, church. I want to pray that we really fully enter into the promises which God has for us. We can't just sit back and wait for it to happen. We can't sit back and wait for God to do things that he has asked us to do. Now is the time for us to begin to rise up and to do the things which God has called us to do and to step into our future, to step into our destiny. So let's pray as we draw our service to a close. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who lives within us and who works in us and through us to accomplish your purposes. And Father, I just pray for the church today. I pray that you would cause us to be all that you want us to be, that you would cause us to rise up into the things of God for our lives, for this time and for our generation. And Father, I just pray for those maybe who are struggling today, who've once been part of church and they've drifted away from church. Father, I believe that today is a day where you call them back into church. Lord, the, the temple building that we spoke about today didn't exist by bricks being uh, positioned all over the place and living in isolation. It came as bricks were built alongside each other and as the temple was built up. And Father, in the same way you call Christians to be part of a local church, to be part of a body, to be part of a local fellowship, and to get stuck into serving and to get stuck into the things which you have for them. And Father, there are people who are uh, newly into our church, and I'm not going to mention people by name uh, in, in the, the, the kind of public sphere, but Father, there are people that you've brought into our church even just recently. And Father, I pray that you'd make your call upon their lives for this time really, really clear, that you would speak to them even today, Father, that you would show them 
the, 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 the part of the body that they fit into and their function and what you want them to do. And Father, that they would rise up into that and that they would take that challenge to, to really follow you in the things that you're calling them to. And so, Father, I just pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. And just before we finish off, church, if there are people who are listening to this today and you've never made a decision to become a Christian, I want to invite you to make that decision today, to give your life over to God and to ask him into your life because you're, you're, in, you're, you're getting yourself involved in the greatest plan that's ever been written, the, the plan of the, the, the human race and God's plan for us. And so I'm going to say a prayer and I want you to pray this prayer just after me. And if you pray this prayer, just let us know through Facebook by sending us a message, write yes in the comments box. Um, if, you know, if you can go into the website, uh, there's a contact page on whitburnpentecostal.com and just drop us a message. We, we've got some things we want to send out to you. So let's just pray again, just for a little second for those who maybe want to make that decision today. Heavenly Father, I realise that I've done things that are wrong I realise that I've been writing my own story. I realise that I have been doing my own thing. I realise that I am a sinner. Please forgive me for my sin. Come into my heart. Lead me into the things which you have for me. Make me a new person. Give me a fresh start today. Help me to turn over a new page in my life and begin to write that story of my life with you in charge. In Jesus' name, Amen. And if you've prayed that prayer today, let us know. We want to pray for you personally. We want to send you some information that will help you. Church, I just want to say God bless you. God protect you. God encourage you. Strengthen you and give you hope today. And I pray that you have a fantastic week ahead. I know that this week has been challenging for some. And we continue to pray for you. We'll continue to lift you before God in prayer. We will come together on weddings tonight to pray at half seven again. Information will come out about how to connect with that. And we just pray that you have a fantastic week. The Lord bless you. The Lord protect you. The Lord keep you safe. And uh, just continue to enjoy being part of this church and being part of his purposes for your life. In Jesus' name, we say all these things. Amen. <laughs>